0: Well, Last week you may remember we looked at the life of Samson and in doing so I tried to bring this to our attention that it seemed as though Samson was determined to live his life in direct disobedience to God's will. And as we looked at that we watched as his decisions finally caught up to him and how it led to him finally being captured by the Philistines having his eyes gouged out and his final days being spent really in torture and in misery. And in the midst of all that, we watched as Samson chose to cry out to God one more time. And amazingly, what we found of God was this, is that he was still aware of Samson. He still cared about Samson, and he was willing to hear the prayer whenever Samson cried out to him. And so last week, as we were dealing with that thought, I talked about how so many times we tend to write people off. We tend to assume that because of decisions they have made that God also has written them off. And we have to be reminded that God continues to care, he continues to be aware, and he continues to listen to those who will humble themselves and cry out to him. And then to make it more personal, if we need to, we need to be reminded that no matter what our sins are, no matter what our failures in the past may be, God still is aware of us, God still cares about us, And God is still willing to hear us if we are willing to cry out to Him. Sometimes we need to be reminded that though everyone else has written us off, God has not written us off. And that is an encouragement and that is a blessing that we need from time to time. That in mind, this morning I want to share just a couple of thoughts with you. I know that some of you will be familiar with what I'm about to say. Just bear with me if you are familiar with this. And for those who may not be, maybe you'll... Gather some insight today, I don't know. But several years ago, if you were to have looked at my garage and you would have looked at all the tools that I had available to me, all the resources I had in my garage to involve myself and engage myself in certain projects, here's what you would have found that basically what I had in my possession were several screwdrivers, a couple of wrenches, a hammer a saw, and maybe a few more items that people had given me along the way. There was nothing about my tool collection that was impressive. There was nothing about my tool collection that would make you think I knew what to do by way of working with my hands. If something came up, if it could not be fixed with a screwdriver or a hammer, I probably was not the person you wanted to call in a moment like that. So that being said, several years ago, I don't remember the exact time frame, but several years ago here at the church, We decided that we were going to remodel the foyer a little bit. We were going to change some things up. We were going to move the nursery that had been in the foyer back here to a different part of the building. And we were going to convert the nursery area and what was the former bathroom area into the bathrooms that we have today. And because of where I was at in my understanding of how to build things and rebuild things and tear things down, That was a project that was overwhelming to me. It was something that I did not understand at all. So some of you know this, that in that time and in those years, we had a man attending the church by the name of Lyle Fussell, and he was a dear man, a very good man, Uh, still like Lyle very much. But Lyle was attending the church, and he said that he would be willing to do that for the church for free. So that was something I was very interested in the church was interested in. So anyways, here we are. We're in the midst of this project. He's, he's drawn everything up. He's shown us how it needs to lay out and what needs to happen, and walls torn down here and walls built here and partitions put up here. And he went over everything with me, and, and I was ignorant, so therefore I was overwhelmed. And I would ask him questions from time to time, well, what about this? Is this hard to do? Now, I really want us to hear this, okay? This is very important, all right? I would ask him, is this hard? Is this difficult? I mean, is this going to be something that's not going to be easy? And you know what Lyle's response to me was every time I would ask him a question? His response was this, nah, it's a piece of cake. It did not matter what I asked him. I think if I'd said, okay, I want to tear down the church and build it back, what do you think? I think he would have said, yeah, it's a piece of cake. It did not matter what my question was. It did not matter what my concern was. Every time I asked him a question about the project at hand, his response was always, it's a piece of cake. Should have it done in two weeks. And two weeks seemed to drag on for months. Nonetheless, Always, always simple in the mind of Lyle. Now, as I look back on that, on that experience, as I look back on those moments, I asked myself this question, and there's relevance to why I asked this question. But the question that I asked myself was this, is why in the mind of Lyle was everything always considered easy or a piece of cake? And here's why it was always easy from his perspective. Because he had done it before. He had done this so many times. He had torn down a wall here, rebuilt another wall here, put in a door here, took out a door here. He had done these types of projects so many times that nothing that we were dealing with here at the church was anything that was a big deal to him. None of it was a concern to him. All of it was simple. Because he had been there and he had done it on numerous occasions. Now this morning, as we keep that in the back of our minds, I want us to think about this study that we've been engaged in for the last several weeks. We've been asking this question, who is God? Who is God? And so we've tried to answer that question from several different perspectives. We've tried to look at so many different aspects of who God is, understanding that we will never exhaust an explanation of the character and the nature of God. But one of the things I was reminded of this week as I prepared for the message this morning is this, is that God is omnipotent. If someone were to ask you and I, who is God, You and I could rightfully say of him that he is omnipotent. Now I want us to think about that word for just a moment because I want us to be aware of this truth, that the word omnipotent and what it means, it is a word that can only, listen now, be properly ascribed to God. No one else and nothing else is deservant of the term omnipotent in an effort to identify or explain who they are. Well, why is that the case? Well, let's consider what omnipotent means. If you were raised in church or you've been in church very long, here's what you understand the simplest of definitions to be for the word omnipotent. It means this, to be all-powerful to be all-powerful. But past that, it also means this, to possess unlimited power or to have the ability to do anything. So you possess unlimited power or you have the ability to do anything. And again, that is why I remind us this morning that that is an attribute that can only properly be ascribed to God because there is no one else and there is nothing else that has all power that possesses the ability to do whatever they want Man, as powerful and as mighty as we may believe ourselves to be, we are limited in our power and we are limited in our capabilities. You understand this, right? We are limited in our powers and we are limited in our capabilities. This week I was having lunch with someone on Thursday and we were talking about this individual. And as we were talking about this individual, not in a negative way, we were simply referencing the fact that they were growing older and as a result of their growing older they were becoming more feeble and they were becoming more frail. (coughs) Excuse me. And as we were talking about the, the process of aging and the toll that it was having on them, we were also discussing this, that it did not matter that this person is worth multiplied millions of dollars The same thing that happens to those who are without happens to those who are wealthy. There are just certain things that remind every person you have limitations and you have certain things you are not capable of doing. We aware of this? We're just kind of looking at me this morning. I don't want us to miss this, okay? It doesn't matter who the person is. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter what the context is. God and God alone is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He possesses the ability to do anything he chooses to do. Now, if someone were to say to you or I, well, where is the evidence... In the omnipotence of God. Where is the proof that you could point us to? Where is is the evidence that you could show me that God is omnipotent as you suggest Him to be? Well, here is what you and I could rightfully respond with by way of our own question. Well, where would you like to start? If you're asking me what is the evidence and what is the proof of God's omnipotence, of God's unlimited power, of His ability to do anything, I could say to that person or you could say to that person who might ask, where do you want to start? Because all throughout the Scripture, here is what we see, God's ability to do things that man will never be capable of doing whether it be the speaking this world into existence or it be the miracles that you read about through in the or in the Old Testament or all the way through the New Testament regardless of what you want to consider by way of the miracles of Christ and all that he performed whatever it is you want to look at there are so many proofs given that God is omnipotent and he is limited by nothing So actually, if somebody wanted to debate us on the omnipotence of God, that would be one of the easier arguments to win. Because it's all through the scripture. Now that being said, I want us to turn, if you're not there already, I want us to turn to the book of Jeremiah. And I want us to look in verse number 32, or chapter 32. I want us to look in Jeremiah chapter 32. And as you're finding your place there, I want to remind us of just a couple of things. Jeremiah was a prophet of God. That's important. Well, Why is that important? It's important for this reason. Men like Jeremiah did not declare messages to people because they believed they had something important to say. Men like Jeremiah prophesied and said what they said because God had given them a message to declare to the people who needed to hear the message. So Jeremiah didn't wake up one day and say, You know what? I've had enough. I've I've got my belly full of everything that's happening here in the land of Israel, and I'm going to go start speaking my mind to the people and, and just see how people respond. That is not at all what happened in the life of Jeremiah Jeremiah was chosen by God to give a message to the people of God, the children of Israel. And as Jeremiah gave his message, here is what some of us know and most of us would understand, is that his message was not a message of prosperity and blessing. He did not come with a message of encouragement. He did not come with a message of happiness and joy. And as a result of the message that he did bring, which was quite the contrast to that, it was a message of judgment and a message of God's wrath. Here is what you find, that the people of Israel did not especially appreciate what Jeremiah had to say. So much so that they placed him in prison for the message that he brought to the people. And if you think about it, though the exact specifics are different, the principle really isn't that different today than it was in Jeremiah's day. See, you find a preacher today who preaches a message consistently of blessing and prosperity, and you know what they'll find? They'll find a following. Because everyone enjoys a message of blessing and everyone enjoys a blessing of prosperity. But you find preachers today and you find men of God today who still preach something about holiness and who still preach something about righteousness and who still preach something about God's judgment if righteousness and holiness are not lived. If you find a person who still preaches that or you find people in churches who still believe that, you know what you'll find for them and you know what they'll find for themselves? They'll find people who hate them who mock them, who scorn them, who would rather silence them than continue listening to what they have to say. So Jeremiah is in a position like many before him had experienced and like many after him would experience. He was not popular because of the message he was preaching. So here is Jeremiah He's been preaching, he's been declaring what, word, what God would have him to say. It's landed him in prison, and yet even in prison, you know what Jeremiah continues to do? He continues to declare unto them the word of God. It's still not popular, it's still not appreciated, it's still not being accepted. But he is giving to the people of Israel... A message of judgment. He gives them a message that the land is going to be destroyed, that they're going to have their land given unto the hand of the Chaldeans. And and as all this message is being given to the people of Israel, you know what else Jeremiah is being told and conveying to the people? That there's also going to be a restoration that takes place that God is going to restore the land, that God is going to heal the land. And, and so here's what you've got, if you'll you'll hear this. You've got Jeremiah, and at one point he's preaching judgment, and he's preaching wrath, and he's preaching destruction, and yet at another time he's preaching restoration and, and a healing and a and a restoring back unto God. And, and so it doesn't take a great scholar to realize there seems to be somewhat of a contrast in the messages, does it not? One moment you're preaching judgment, and the next moment you're preaching blessings or restoration. And so, in verse number 25 of Jeremiah chapter 22, you see that even Jeremiah, to an extent, seems baffled by this. It says in verse number 25, the Lord speaking to Jeremiah, And thou hast said unto me, O Lord God, buy thee the field for money and take witness. Or witnesses, for the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord God of all flesh. So here's Jeremiah, and he's wrestling with the very messages that he has preached. And just to let you know, that's not completely uncommon either. Not not that you're overly concerned about it. I just want you to know, sometimes preachers still wrestle with what they've preached, all right? So here's Jeremiah, and he's wrestling with what he has preached. And the Lord speaks to him, and he reminds him that he says in verse number 27, I am the Lord, I am Jehovah, the God of all flesh. Then he asked in verse number 27 this rhetorical question, this question that has an obvious answer. He asked Jeremiah, Is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything too hard for me? What does it mean whenever the question is asked and the words are given, anything? Anything? It means just what we think it does. Does it not? Is there anything, listen now, is there anything that you can come up with in your mind that is too hard for me? Is there any scenario that you can come up with? Is there any you know, plan that you could institute, that you could draw up? Is there anything in your mind that you could come up with that it would be too hard for me, that it would be too difficult for me, that it would be too challenging for me, that I, the Lord God, would look at that and say, man, that's hard, I don't know what to do. And as the question is asked, Jeremiah knew the answer. Well, of course not. There is not anything too hard for my God to do. There is no scenario that could be played out. There is no, there's there's just nothing that could be played out that would cause God to look at what was going on and for him to conclude in his mind, now this is hard. Well, this is rough. This is difficult. I don't know what to do. God was asking Jeremiah, is there anything too hard for me? I I know for you it's hard. I know for you it's difficult. I know for you your mind can't grasp it. But is there anything too hard for me? And Jeremiah would have to respond with, no, Lord, nothing is too hard for you. Now, I don't want to be irreverent. I don't want to try to be silly in how I present this. But it's almost as though you could have the Lord say something like this in terminology that maybe Jeremiah could have understood or we could understand. But almost like you could hear the Lord saying something like this to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, this is simple. This is simple. It's a piece of cake. You're distraught. You're worried. You don't understand it. Your mind can't grasp it. You can't fathom how I can be having you preach a message of judgment and a, a message of restoration all at the same time. Yes, your little mind can't grasp it, and you can't figure out, figure out how it's going to work. But for me, the Lord God, this is simple. This is nothing. This is not even remotely pose a challenge to me. You understand this? God was never for a moment ignorant of what was going on and never for a moment was he overwhelmed by what was going on. Some of you are missing this, okay? and I I really want us to get this. God was never in a position like you and I are in positions at times where he said, man, I just, I don't know. God was always fully aware of what to do, how to respond, how to handle it, and make it work. As we keep that in mind, I want us to think about something for just a couple of moments. I'm not going to keep us here a long time. I just want us to think about this. This morning, I want us to think about the fact that all of us at different times, we find ourselves in situations that are new to us. It's part of life. We find ourselves in positions that are new to us. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you, But we kind of look at our resources and we realize we're not very well equipped for what now stands before us. I've got a couple of screwdrivers and I've got a hammer for this situation of life, so to speak. I don't think I'm quite ready to tackle this one. You ever been there? As we find ourselves in these situations, as we find ourselves in these moments, whatever they may be, whether it be with relationships, health issues, financial situations, the economy, whatever it may be, as we find ourselves in these situations, how many of us have ever looked at these problems? We've looked at these, again, just these circumstances, and we've said to ourselves, I have no idea what to do. You ever been there? Friends, if you won't admit that this morning, you've got serious problems. We've all been there. Things have come up. Things have taken place. Things have happened in our lives. And we're looking at all of our resources and we're saying to ourselves, I have no idea what to do. We are overwhelmed because we are ignorant of what to do in this situation. And though we probably don't use these words, you know what many of us are sometimes guilty of thinking and believing in our hearts? That because it is big to us, it must therefore be big to God. I mean, have you ever felt like you were really bringing a big one to the Lord? If not, you are far better off than I am, okay? I mean, there have been times I've gone to the Lord, and it's like, Lord, are you sitting down? Uh, We don't say it, but that's how we feel about it. Lord, this one's big. I, I, I don't know. I want to be careful how I say this, Lord, but... I'm not sure we've ever seen this before. Now, again, we don't say it, but that's how we go to the Lord, right? We are burdened, we are overwhelmed, we are consumed with what now lies before us. And as we go to God, we go to God almost with this sense of doubt that even He'll be able to address this, that even He'll be able to take care of this. Why? Because this is a big one, and this is a hard one, and this is difficult, and this is challenging, and this is daunting. And and I wonder how many times in our past... We have had to have the Lord ask us, hold on. Is there anything too hard for me? I mean, really, Kyle? Do you really think you have brought to me a situation that I'm sitting here thinking to myself like you, man, I don't know what to do? Of course not. Why? Because my God is omnipotent. My God is all-powerful. My God is limitless in His ability to do things. My God has the capabilities of performing whatever He wants to perform. So I, in the history of my life, have never brought something to Him that He said to Himself, Whoa, what now? You know what he has said to me over and over and over again, and not these exact words, Kyle. Come on, man, it's a piece of cake. Well, Lord, how can this be a piece of cake, Lord? How can this how can this be simple, Lord? How can he not be stressed like I am? Have we ever been there? Kyle, I've been here before. Kyle, I've done projects just like yours millions of times. Where you're at right now and what we're about to engage in, I've seen far worse than this. Far worse than this? Yes, far worse than this. It'll take a couple of weeks. It's going to take some time, but it's going to be fine. And you know what is true? The finished product is always good. When God works, the finished product is good. Now, if we jump in there and we try to help them out, that's when we start messing things up, right? Right? When we say to God, God, this is big, and as a result, I know you need my help, so I'm going to bring my my screwdriver and my hammer and help you out, that's when things start going wrong, correct? But whenever we come to God and we say, God, here's my problem. God, here's my issue. God, here's the situation. God, this is a big one. If we would just remember what God said to Jeremiah in this simple question, is anything too hard for me, if we would just remember that, then then we would know, okay, yeah, we've not brought anything to God that he hasn't seen before and that he can't handle. We've all been there. We've all experienced it. We've all dealt with this. You're no different than anyone else. You're not special. I'm not special. And I want to remind us this morning, though it's already been alluded to, I want to remind us of this truth that in the days to come, guess what we'll still be presented with? Any ideas? We'll still be presented with things that are big to us. Things that are still overwhelming to us. And it'll still intimidate us and it'll still burden us. And, And you know what it'll do? It'll drive us to God. And it'll drive us to God because it should drive us to God. But if we're not careful, here's what we'll do in our going to God. We'll go to God forgetting what God already said of himself, that there is nothing too hard for him. See, if God gives me more years, here's what I know. There are going to be moments in my life where he allows me to experience certain things and it's going to distress me, it's going to overwhelm me, it's going to burden me, I'm going to be be feeling the weight of it and I'm going to go to God and I'm going to, if I'm not careful, act like God's not seen this kind of a problem yet. And what I need for the future is this. A remembrance that nothing is too hard for him. How is that possible? Because God is omnipotent. God is all-powerful. God has the ability. He possesses the ability to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. He's not concerned or overwhelmed or burdened about anything. And so this morning I'm going to close in a manner like I have on many occasions in the past. I know this is somewhat repetitive. That's fine. I'm not worried about it. You may sit here this morning and you may say, Brother Kyle, right now there is nothing at all going on in my life that has created a burden for me. Right now, let's listen, right now I'm about as burden-free as I can be. My load is about as light as it's ever been. I just want to say to you this morning, I am happy for you. I mean that. I am genuinely happy for you if that is where you're at right now. But some of you this morning, you may be sitting here saying, Brother Kyle, if you only knew what kind of a burden I'm carrying right now. Brother Kyle, if you knew what concerned me last night when I went to bed and what was on my mind when I woke up this morning. Brother Kyle, if you only knew what me and my spouse were dealing with right now, if you only knew what what we were looking at right now, Brother Kyle, you would realize and you would understand why we're burdened. And from the human side of things, I would probably say to you, I do understand why you're burdened. But I want to remind you this morning that nothing you are dealing with right now is bigger or stronger than the God that we serve. It's just not. And I want to remind you for in the future, those days when you will need this because you will need it at some point in the future, I want to remind you that no matter what you face in the future, our God is bigger than that. Our God is mightier than that. Our God is more capable than that. How do we know? Because God is omnipotent. He is the only one. He is the only thing that is all powerful. And you and I this morning, we really, really, really ought to take encouragement and strength and joy from knowing that our God is omnipotent, that there is nothing too hard for him. Whatever we face, he has seen it before. And he is not concerned or distressed in the least. It's simple. It's a piece of cake. Give him time, and he'll work it out. And the finished product, it will be good. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help us to recognize your power, to recognize your lack of limitations. God, I pray that you would help us to be reminded today, especially if someone right now is going through something and they really need it, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would show them that there is nothing too hard for you. Whatever they're dealing with, whatever they're struggling with right now, It may be a burden to them, but it's not burdened you for a moment. So, God, would you help us to be reminded of that today and in the days to come? I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. As Lauren plays, you've got time to pray.